Greetings and welcome to episode number 55 of the Chirping the Cats podcast. David Dwork, your host, here with you once again. And uh, we've had some time to process the season being over. About a week has passed. And now that uh, we've had some time to marinate on it, I thought it would be a good time to, I don't know, just kind of review it, go through it, just kind of talk it out. And who better to do that with than uh, somebody who I generally will talk talk life out with, uh, kind of my... Uh, the, the one of the diamond dogs for those of you that watch Ted Lasso out there, one of my confidants in life and hockey as well. Aaron Brown of the Hockey News, uh, one of my dear friends. Aaron, thanks a lot for taking some time coming on the pod for uh, the first time, right? This is your first time on the podcast. I think so. I probably owe you like three more too. So at least. No, no, we're good. <laughs> um, it's good to have you on. It's good to, um, to be able to talk. I mean, look, this season, obviously the ending sucked, uh, you know, if you get swept out of the playoffs, no matter what round it is or, you know, what the circumstances are, it sucks. Um, but I mean, big picture, you know, yeah, the president's trophy season, a, a season like the Panthers may never see again, you know, who knows? I mean, it was historic uh, what they did winning 58 games. Uh, you know, they did win a first round series. They're winning playoff games in overtime, which we hadn't seen for a few decades, you know, obviously a, a bad ending, but a lot of positives overall that I'm taking from this season. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that if you, um, you know, a, after everything kind of settled, if you didn't look back and have some smiles thinking about the winning streaks or just some of the comebacks they had, or just even some of the goals that they scored this year, were just some of the insane, just, we've never seen this down here. I, I think that it's, uh, it's really good for the future. I think there were a lot of people who got caught up in the, the excitement of it. Um, but, and maybe are new or, or kind of Carter Verhage fans or kind of new to the game. Um, but, but this is, this is, this has been almost 30 years in the making. Let's be honest this, they have never had a team like this. Um, I've lost track of all the records they broke. Um, it's just, um, it was a, it was a fun year. It was a fun year. And I think too, for people to be kind of getting back out into life after being locked down for so long, um, you know, to say, Hey, let's go to a game, go to a game. What 30 something wins at home. You know, that was a good, that was a good ticket to buy this year. So uh, lots, lots of positives. Yeah, it does. It does suck. It sucks extra when, when your, your team loses to their rivals. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, but I, I really just think they just had the unfortunate um, circumstance over the last two years of running into Tampa Bay. And I think Tampa Bay is probably the closest thing we've seen to a dynasty in a very long time. They just know how to get it done. They have elite talent. Um, they have guys who are going to be easy first ballot hall of famers. Um, you know, Vasilevsky, Stamkos. Uh, so, you know, you got to give them respect. And, uh, but, but for the Panthers, I think lots of positives to look at moving forward. Yeah. Both uh, you talk about the records that, you know, too many to name off uh, just thinking about them in my head, like, not just team records, but individual records as well. Uh, I mean, you saw Jonathan Huberto and Sasha Barkov cementing their stature, you know, on the all-time points, goals, assists, you know, all those things that they, they were able to do this year. Uh, and Huberto, even on the national level, setting the, setting the record for uh, left-winger assists in a season. Um, and, and that'll kind of segue into, since the first kind of topic, I guess, bullet point, whatever I want to get into. Mm. And uh, that's, you touched on Tampa and how good they were in that second round and how good they, they I mean, they really seemed to turn it on 
when they mm-hmm. had their bats against the wall in, in the first round against Tampa or against Toronto, kind of like yeah. a wild west of a playoff series, you know, wide open, high scoring, what we kind of expected in the second round. Um, but once they hit game six and Toronto was winning that series three, two, something clicked uh, both with Tampa and with their other worldly goaltender. And uh, with, well, I guess they're at this point, six straight wins uh, given up four or five goals. I think during that span total um, it's like, as you said, we, we are probably, you know, in a, a month from now, we'll be talking about the, the league's newest dynasty. Because right now you've got to think they're odds on to win the Stanley Cup, regardless of who they run into. The mm-hmm. way that that team can flip a switch, and I mean, look at how the different styles of play, and look at yeah. the way that they turned into this defensive shutdown team where Florida couldn't get anything going. Mm-hmm. And then when they could yeah. get opportunities, whether it was on special teams, which is a whole another issue, uh, their goaltender <laughs> was was just standing on his head, um, but. I don't know how much uh, it, you, you can't not give, you can't give a pass to Barkov and Huberto. They're your superstars and they did not show up in that series as much as we want to give credit to Tampa for what they did. Um, perhaps again, trying to be glass half full, just this last series, last season series with Tampa was uh, just another learning experience for mm-hmm. the team and for its foundational pieces and what will hopefully eventually lead to that finish line that mountaintop that's stanley cup because you said it before we started recording like that that tampa had to go through the same shit to to get there they had to go through the same uh discouragement and and struggling before they finally did get to the stanley cup championship that they are so perhaps this is just the panthers sowing their oats and going through what they need to go through to get there uh but still like it it sucks to see now that barkov and huberto have to learn a lesson because they uh they really were not existent in that series for the most part. It's really frustrating to talk about. And you know what? Some of the non-existence, we'll just say, um, it didn't necessarily have to be that they were, you know, fantastic offensively. But, you know, look at, again, I'll bring bring up Steven Stamkos. Here's a guy in his, I believe he's going to be 33, I believe, um, if my numbers are right. But he's in his 30s. He's in his 30s. Um, his first career 100-point season that guy was blocking shots left and right in, in the, the series. And he was willing to lay down his body and make that sacrifice. And a lot of other Tampa guys were willing to do that too. I mean, um, you know, the, the fact that they, they lost a guy like Braden point, I know that he, he was kind of up against the boards, but uh, when he got, when he got hit, but the fact that he came out and even tried like to skate after that, um, that kind of tells you that the level you have to be at, I think. And let's face it, Washington, very veteran team, but they were missing some key components. Um, so in a way, kind of a, you know, a good draw for Florida because it gave them that opportunity to go against a team that is a veteran team that has won the cup before, uh, knows what it takes to get it done, uh, knows, knew how to frustrate Florida, got them very, very frustrated. And um, and, you know, but then they get to Tampa and Tampa's just, they're another level. So I really think that, um, you know, Barkov, Uber, everyone's going to learn from this. And I don't even want to call someone out. Like there was a game that I, I forget which game it was. It had to have been on the road because I, it was either three or four. Um, and just as an example, 
and, and I wish went together because of the back to back and everything. Yeah, yeah. It did. It, I think it was game three. I but now I honestly don't know because I was like, wait, wait, was was this at night? Whatever, whatever. Um, but and, and I know this is not going to kind of work for your audience because they're only listening. But there was a player uh, who just very clearly was trying to block a shot, but was on his skates kind of putting his hands out a little to his side, you know, right around his waist, uh, just not really blocking a shot, we'll just say. And, and I looked at that and I said, that's their problem. That's their problem. They're not willing to take that one extra step to sacrifice, to make sure that shot doesn't get through. I, granted, I don't think that shot... Uh, they didn't score on it. Tampa Bay didn't score on it, but it was just, you know, you see that contrast where, you know, Tampa Bay literally was blocking shots left and right. Uh, guys are going back to the dressing room. One guy goes back to the dressing room. Another one comes out because they're just getting hit in all these awful places, um, you know, and, and getting hurt. And I don't think you saw that same level from, from Florida. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like they have this idea of what they're supposed to do because, you know, we all watch hockey, we all see it, but then when they have to like break it down and, and take that step in their game, there, there's like a reluctance. And hopefully that's what was learned that, you know what, it's not just, you know, playing hard all 60 minutes. I, I think this year, that they learned that lesson because I think this year they played every game from October on as if it were a playoff game and the results showed, but now, okay, now you get to the, the postseason. You have to take those extra steps that maybe you wouldn't during regular season. You're not going to go down and block a shot, um, you know, laying on the ice in, in a way that's going to get you hurt. Uh, not in the regular season. You know, you might be out six weeks if you, you do this wrong. But in the playoffs, you got to do it. And so I think that that's maybe the, um, you know, they, they learned, what was the lesson learned in 2021? Uh, you know, you, you've you got to play the full 60 minutes plus. You got to be prepared for that. I think they learned that lesson. But the next step is now you have to sacrifice. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you are the 100-point scorer. You have to make the sacrifices to make sure that, your opponent doesn't score that you have that little extra in the tank when you think you don't to push through to the end that you're not just going to do it on your talent alone you have to be hard the whole time i think that's what they take away from this you're reminding me of a story that i heard wayne retzky tell uh i don't know if it was on a documentary or you know whatever um about the the 1983 stanley cup finals when he was with, you know, he was with Edmonton and Edmonton at that point was like, they'd been up and coming, but that was the year that was their year that they were supposed to knock the Islanders off. The Islanders had won three straight Stanley cups. And he said, uh, after I think it was game six of that Stanley cup final, the Islanders won, they, they won their fourth straight Stanley cup mm -hmm. and the Oilers were leaving the arena and they had to walk past the Islanders locker room to, to get to their bus or whatever. And he was saying that they were dreading it because they were going to have to hear them celebrating and, you know, it was going to suck, obviously. And he said they walked by and they looked in the, the Islanders locker room and well, they were celebrating, but, they, you know, they were, it was very chill. A lot of guys were sitting around with ice bags and, you know, like they were really banged up and they, you know, they just had their ass kicked. And 
you know, him and Messier and these guys are looking at each other like, that's why we fucking lost. Yeah. Look at us. We're ready to go play right now. We're good to go. Like these guys, like they look like they just came back from the war. Yeah. And, and he said that stuck with them. And then the next year is when, you know, when the Oilers started winning, they won, I think five of the next seven Stanley cups after that. Um, so it makes perfect sense. And it's, you know, it's not like it's a, it's a story that we haven't heard. I, you know, this is just yeah, I, one and, instance. And, and just even think about, think about the, the Stanley cup stories or, or even just at the end of series and whatnot, where you hear about the, the laundry list of the guys who are injured, have to have surgery, that sort of thing. I don't think we walked out of uh, end of end of uh, our locker clean out day. No one said anything about any injuries or surgeries that anyone was going to be out. So that that's that kind of tells you not that you want you don't want people to get hurt. I want to make that perfectly clear. But you just the fact that there was nothing you know, just kind of says that maybe it wasn't all left on the line. You know, someone at least has to have a, have a, you know, something right. Like just, just an unlucky shot hit in the wrong spot. It happens. Like if you're, if you're doing that level of laying it on the line, you're going to have something um, pop up. And um, I I think there was definitely a vibe of, you know, left on the table uh, on, on exit media day is uh, you know, however many, players seven eight players or whatever it was shuffled in and out of the our media room um like i i just got the same like chip on my shoulder feeling from every guy that came up there except anton lundell who's just always smiling and happy about life and the, the, he's <laughs> the kid cracks me up he's no matter what's going on he just walks in with the same little half grin he's like yeah well you know that's you know what it is yeah well, you know what <laughs> i'm i'm 20 and i get to play hockey for my living i would be happy i would be thrilled (laughs) so it's i think they they know that they had these this amazing regular season all these accolades that we talked about and uh to to go out not just to go out but to go out like that it it kind of you know i don't want to speak for anybody else obviously but i would think it puts a bit of a damper or a bit of a sour sour point like they're going to look up next season so, so many of those guys are on the same roster, you know, mm-hmm. so many guys are going to be with the team next year, which is why, you know, it seems like the success, at least, if not the scoring, but at least the success should be sustainable. But when those guys take the ice next year and they look up and they see this big, beautiful new banner that says president trophy winners, and they think about that season and how it ended, you'd think that's going to be a motivational factor, right? Yeah. I would think it's going to, it's going to, my first word was it just might, it might feel a little hollow. Like you, yeah. they're, they're going to have two banners. They could have had the trifecta, but, or the hat trick or however you want to put it, but you know, they, they, they fell short. And that's something that I think they'll look at and, and it'll kind of always be there, right. It'll kind of always be there to say like, you did great. Good job. But you know, and, and you know what, it's funny because um, I think a couple weeks ago, I don't remember or maybe it was recently. It, may, it might have been. Uh, I have completely lost track of time. I'm so sorry, but I have completely with lost no track. hockey practice or anything in a week. It's like the world. Yeah, can't take, yeah. Turn like it I, I forgot today was Memorial Day. But anyway, but um, uh, there was someone had asked uh, Sergachev about, you know, what he was seeing on on Florida side. You know, whether there was frustration, and he he referenced, you know, Tampa Bay having their President's Trophy um run 
and then getting swept in the first round and that they were incredibly frustrated by that. And um, so I think, I think if you are a team that's like a veteran team, I think you probably know better to, to conserve your energy. We'll just say, instead of pushing forth, you know, to get a regular season, you know, trophy. And it's funny because, um, you know, granted Florida didn't get swept in the first round. So that's a, that's a good thing. I think, you know, they didn't pull a Tampa Bay, you know, have this president's trophy, uh, uh, win and then and then get booted in the first round. So they didn't do that. But I think that there's something to learn. I think at the very beginning of the season, my someone asked my prediction and I said, you know what, they just need to finish like second or third in the division. Don't go crazy. Don't, you know, for 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 this team specifically, this franchise specifically, it wasn't about winning a division. It wasn't about winning a president's trophy. Let's be honest. The the goal for this season at a minimum was get in the playoffs, number one. Number two, get past the first round. Once you get those monkeys off your back, now you can start looking at the other goals. I think they, by, by doing that little push at the end, you know, when they were on that 10-plus game winning streak, I don't even know. That's how many winning streaks they've had. I've, I've forgotten, like, which how many was we're on the spoiled. last one. Right? Like, that's, that's <laughs> how crazy this season was when you're like, didn't they hit 13 at least? So they break the record. I don't even remember. My brain is mush. Yeah. So, so, I mean, at that point, I'm thinking either you are either, or either this team is like so elite that they're just going to blow through everyone in the postseason, or they're making that push now. And they really shouldn't be making that push. I didn't know. I, I didn't, I didn't believe either way. I, I had no idea because, because of the level that they were performing at. But I think it's now clear to say that maybe they should have kind of hung back. Um, maybe the president's trophy wasn't important. Um, Colorado seems to be doing just fine without it. Carolina seems to be doing fine without it. Tampa seems to be doing fine without it. Tampa hasn't, I, I don't think Tampa's even won a division in the years that they've won a cup. Well, they didn't last year. They didn't yeah. even finish in second last year. So I think, I think that's the thing. You, you have to conserve yourself, you know, yeah. sa- save you it, know, save it. You're going to need you it. You know, you can play at that level. You don't need to be at that level. Like if you can look like a 10, that doesn't mean you need to be out there looking like a 10, 20, you know, every day. Yeah. You yeah. can do what I'm doing right now. And, you know, throw on your basketball shorts and your t-shirt and go do your thing. You don't have to, I don't have to slit the hair back every day that this metaphor has gone way off the rails and it's not that good to be done with. So, um, all right. I touched on something before, but I want to get your take on it. Like the Panthers this year, they're, what were they known for? Right. Scoring goals, like amazing offense, super fun. You have to wonder just with so many, so many guys bringing it back next season, so much of the roster coming back, why wouldn't they be able to do similar? And obviously you know, the caveat to that, which is another topic we'll get to in a little while is the coach. You know, if it's a different coach, it's to be a different style, you know, particularly if it's Barry Trotz, you wouldn't expect to see the same high flying offensive team uh, that you saw last year. So not with none of that, notwithstanding, I'm not trying to crush my point before I even bring, get there. Um, is that a flash in the pan thing? Or is that something that you, you know, that you think they could, they could continue next season? 
the, off, the, the, the offense you mean the offense oh absolutely i think for the last few seasons there's there's no reason to think that it's suddenly going to to dry up i think you have a lot of um you're, you're bringing back pretty much your pretty much your t- uh, top six um and you know barkov uberdo declare um verhage bennett verhage bennett um i'm just trying to think of the um reinhardt the 30 yeah, reinhardt the 30 goal scores basically and and bennett was almost a 30 goal score so i kind of count him in oh um verhage wasn't but but all the same you're bringing that talent back they they play well together um i think it'll be interesting to see who ends up on that third line next to Lindell. Uh, I think that's going to be a key thing because really, I, I know I said it quite a few times during the, uh, during the postseason that Marchment was not himself. I guess now we kind of know that he Marchment was injured, um, but, but he wasn't himself in the sense that I felt like there were a lot of times where he kind of, went over the line in terms of being aggressive after the whistle, those sort of things. And it just drew that third line with Lindell and Reinhardt kind of into messy situations. They could never really click, you know, they couldn't get, they couldn't get their mojo going the way they had earlier in the season. And they were crucial Um, for big stretches in the second half of the year. That line was so consistent. Yeah. And, and the fact that that one, that, that line was kind of a non-factor, um was to me that that was like a little bit of a red flag because you know you 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 have to assume that your opponents are going to want to shut down Barkov they're going to want to shut down Huberto so if you take those guys out of the equation your third line has to come through and they just weren't coming through and and you know what to um to their credit you know yes for Lundell for Reinhardt it was a it was a playoff debut um so there was learning that they had to do that, you know, they were catching up on that, but, um, but yeah, I think that's, that's going to be really, let's put it this way. I guess that that third line is going to be key as to whether they score maybe like, I don't know, 260 goals versus 320. I, I mean, and that's, you know what I mean? It's just, um, they just need, they need to get that production out of that third line. And um you know, with Marchment being a free agent, I think that'll be interesting to see, you know, who fits in there and how well does it click? Yeah, it, you wonder, limited limited sample size with Marchment, but uh, obviously he performed at a nearly point per game basis when all was said and done. He showed that, you know, he's got good hands around the net, tough on the boards, you know, prototypical guy. He's just entering mm-hmm. the prime years of his career. And you would think that, you know, a team to throw three, four, $5 million a year at him. Uh, and the Panthers, I don't, I don't know if they're, they're prepared to give that kind of money out right now for a guy that's not, probably not going to be outside your top six. Uh, just kind of looking at what they've been spending on Patrick Hornquist and, and you, you know, you can't take away his value off the ice, uh-uh. but they still got swept in the second round. So I don't know if you can pay 5 million bucks for value off the ice when it's not proving to, shine through in a way that gets you past the second round um which is irrelevant anyway because uh, oh you mean uh, you mean on on hornquist yeah yeah see the only thing about that for the the view i have on on where he fits in um i i really think that he's got one year left yeah 
keep him around. I, I think he's more valuable well, no. for his intangibles. That's what you're paying him for. And you know what? Maybe they learn from this too. Maybe he does get a spot on the power play. You stick him in front, use him, you know, use him like a Holmstrom kind of guy. Um, I don't think, I don't, I don't think if, if it were a matter of saying, well, who would you buy out? Would you buy someone out? I would not, he was not even on my list, to be honest. I know no, he's no, getting paid not. a lot of money, but I think he's still, he still holds a very um, important role that I, I don't, I think the fact that they didn't, that, that they did get swept in the first round is reason to keep him around. I don't know that they're, they're up to his level of knowing what it means to, to put in. Well, he's, um, he's not going anywhere uh at 5.3 million cap hit uh, yeah you know he's got the, the no movement the no trade clause which you know was famously you know when he first got traded to florida mm-hmm. um you know he he, t- he takes things in the fields like he, he was you know it hurt his feelings that pittsburgh didn't want him anymore so um I'm, I'm just saying my point was like in terms of marchment um for somebody that's probably you know a, a valuable player no doubt but playing maybe 15 or less minutes a game you can't pay him the kind of money that he's probably going to get offered uh unless he decides to give the panthers a a hometown discount which you know would be cool uh i would be surprised though i mean because he's 27 years old yeah um you know this is where you want to cash in so that's why and and he's gonna have to i mean he's 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 still um yeah being being that young and this really being his first big you know, foray into the free agent market. Cause remember, I mean, he was still coming up through the minors, uh, even with the Panthers. So, um, you know, before they got him basically, but, um, you know, but at the same time, I think any team that's going to spend that kind of money on him is going to be very disappointed. I, I, I think, I think Lundell and, and Reinhardt were too much like they, they were very much catalysts in him performing the way he did. He, he brings something to that line. Don't get me wrong. Um, yeah. A lot of intangibles. Yeah. But like you've, you've got to put him any team that's willing to pay him that much better be putting him in the well, top six yeah. and, and with I'm the talent of, that, you know, will make him I'm kind of taking a step back in my own thoughts, like in the moment, just as like it, cause yeah, he had a great year, 18 goals, 47 points in 54 games. Like looking at the numbers, they're spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. But before this year, he had 30 seven nhl games total 10 points in those 37 games so you know working his way up obviously and yeah this could be his breakout year hopefully it is for his sake it is his breakout year but how how willing is anybody going to be to invest you know three four years at a high number based off one good season so maybe it, maybe it's not that far out of the realm of opportunity for him to come back to the Panthers. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And I'm, I'm wondering if you'll get to the, the, a couple of other guys who. Let's get to the other guys. Yeah, let's come on. Just because you gave me control of the Zoom, okay. you can co-host. <laughs> who are you um, going to talk about next? I'll throw Drew out there. I, th- okay. I think I think that's. Um... That's Claude Drew, right? Yes. Yes, Claude. Claude Drew. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that everyone's assuming that he would he would leave. And, and I think that's a very good assumption. Let's just put it that way. I think it's a very good assumption um, because the money just... It's a safe bet. Yeah, the Panthers do not have the money uh, just to throw out there. We, we, we peaked at cap friendly. Uh, Panthers have, and this is just stunning, but uh, they have 3.9 uh, million in cap space available. 
uh, 3.9 is not going to get you Claude Giroux, I don't think. No, he, I mean, his last deal was paying him 8.2, Eight, yeah. I think, um, right around 8, 8.2, 8.3. But even though, you know, he's obviously not going to get that, he's still going to be like in your five, six million for three years, you think, some, some kind of deal like that, because he's still like an elite player. Yeah. He's not in his prime, but he's still better than, you know, the majority of the league. And we saw that during his time with the Panthers. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a great playmaker. He's a great defender, a 200 foot player, great in the face off circle. Like he's he's going to be highly coveted on the free agent market. And so unless he wants to come back to the Panthers, which he might, he might he might view it as hey, there's here's the best opportunity that I could have to go chase the Stanley Cup. Or yeah, I don't know what the some of the other contenders cap situation is. Maybe Colorado or St. Louis or Minnesota or, you know, one of the teams out west can throw some money at him. I don't know off the top of my head, but maybe he likes it down here. He seems to. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the thing. Like the, the teams that have been rumored to be in the Giroux mix, right. Philly. Ottawa. As, 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 uh, our, our, our peer Colby, Colby guy had tweeted out the other day and we just checked on cap friendly flyers only have 5.1 million in cap space. So they would have to even, I think, make some room to bring him back. Uh, the other, the other rumored site was uh, Ottawa because he's uh, his hometown is close to there. So um, Ottawa would be an option, but with, you know, Eugene Melnick passing his daughters have control of the team. I think his daughters are under 25, maybe even a little yes. bit younger. Um, so there's not really, I believe they both can drink in America. Okay. Okay. Well, that's still young. I, I don't know what I would do with a team in at 25, but, but all the same, you don't know what that situation is there. Would you sign a long-term deal? So, so who knows, maybe he goes there, signs a very, very short-term deal just to have the ability to play at home. But you know, if he's looking for cups, yeah. uh, Ottawa's not going to be the place. Philly's not going to be the place in the last place. I think someone brought up was Montreal, but Montreal has its own set of issues. Um, you know, so is, is, are, are those really going to be destinations that he's going to want to go to? I'm sure they're in, on, on his mind, but um, you know, he, he's got a, he's got a lot of homework to do. Let's put it that way to figure out, well, where, where do I really want to be? Is it money? You know, long-term finish out my career somewhere, win a cup. Do I have to bounce around to multiple teams to do this? Um, so who knows? I, I think that um, it would be interesting to see if, somehow he did stick around i i thought he was the best pickup in the offseason uh not offseason i'm sorry at the trade deadline the trade deadline i thought he was a, a great pickup he performed exactly as you would expect um that i don't think there was any complaints about him whatsoever so if you are able to bring him back um that would be pretty impressive uh, how they're gonna do that i have no idea i won't put anything past bill zito like you know if he if he wants to get it done and Drew wants to get there, like if they want to get something done, I think they, you know, they can figure something out. Um, I, I'm quite sure that Drew will not get his maximized value in South Florida. I think we mm -hmm. can agree on that. Um, I don't know, Aaron, I, after, you know, I guess two and a half years or whatever it's been year, if it's even, yeah, it is what it was the end of 2019. Right. So it's been like two and a half years now that Zito has been, on the job yeah. like i'm just 
I've got blind faith at this point that this guy and this group of young, brilliant hockey minds that we see just kind of hanging out in the press box and lurking about and they, they know their shit, man. Like I, I'm just, I'm sorry. I just, I've, maybe it's the fan deep down inside me, but I'm just like ready to just say, you know what, man, you do your thing. And you know, like I've got no reason not to follow you in the battle. Yeah. Like, I think, I think he's, he's earned that. I think that I've always been very, the, the one thing, the one thing that just kind of sticks out to me, actually now I have two, but one was the, um, the fact that next year they're going to have uh, basically six, six and a half million in dead cap space. Oh no, six and a half. So six and a half. I don't have, it's over 6 million. Let's put it that way. Let me, let me uh, check quickly here. Yeah. Next, 6. next year, 5. they're going to 6.5, 6.5 million in dead cap space. I realized you, that, that was the darling deal. And then also. Well, it's uh, mostly Yandel. the Yandel buyout, Yandel. which is five point, almost 5.4 yeah. million next year. Then it goes down to 1.2 for the following two years. But I mean, that's, and, and that, that was my first, that was my first going, my, my first moment saying, Oh, Oh, that's, that's going to be a tough one to overcome. That's, that's a lot that that's a Giroux player right there. And I realized you had to make that move. You had to get Yandel out. I, I don't know. I, I think that there's um, there was probably respect for him um, because he was a veteran so. player with, but you know what? I really think if you, if you pressured him on that, on, on the streak, I think he would have caved. I really do. I think someone would have, would have caved on that. Even if you had to take half the contract, that might've been, but, but I'm not making those decisions. I'm not the one taking the calls on that, but that was one that I said, Oh, that's gonna, that's gonna hurt. The other thing that I'm just a little concerned about is what assets do you have left? Let's say they do the same thing they do. Uh, that let's say they they do exactly what they did this year, next season. Well, who do you get at the trade deadline? What can you get at the trade deadline? If you if you have an area you have to patch up, um, and Drew and Shiro did that. They patched up some some defensive areas. Uh, they patched up um, you know faceoffs. Um, <laughs> we won't say power play at this point, but you know, they, they were the, the moves that kind of needed to happen, but you don't have assets. I don't, I don't know that you have a lot of assets in your minor league system. You don't have an Owen Tippett anymore. You don't have three first round picks. You don't have um, three of your, you know, uh, I'm sorry, two of your next three second round picks. So what assets do you have? That's, that's, that's to me, the one thing that I'm going, Oh, okay, like, I know you've got all these guys signed for the next two to three years. You've got your core in place. That is excellent. But when you have to take that step to make an adjustment mid-season, what, what do you do? And I don't, I don't think they have those assets. Someone's going to have to be touched. You know, someone untouchable might have to be touched. And that can be a bigger problem. Because then if you start peeling off those guys, then do you have the same team? Do you have the, the the pieces you need to move forward? So well, it just depends on what you consider untouchable. Like Lundell and Knight are like my untouchables in terms of the future of this team. But I mean, Denisenko, Noel, 
I don't know. I don't even know what kind of value those guys have anymore. Yeah. You know, Sourdiff is like you're, you know, the one you're excited about, you know, Hutzko, perhaps, you know, he was a special player at Boston College. He, he mm-hmm. so, you know, Cole Schwent had some good moments this year in minors. I just kind of thinking about, you know, who's down there. I, I don't know what we've seen. Dennis, Dennis, uh, excuse me, Hepo Niemi, he's yeah. RFA this year. Um, and then Pristy's UFA this year, Kirstead's mm-hmm. RFA. Yeah, and they're not like it's, it's, Don and John Ludwig for a while, but you know, is anybody going to take the next step? So in terms of assets, uh, you know, I agree with you. Uh, they're very limited. Yeah. And that's, that's just the concern that, okay, fine. If you have this team and you need to just patch something up, how are you going to get that piece? I, I really kind of wondered if, um, you know, even at this trade deadline, if they would have maybe not gone after Shroe because I don't know, they, they were, when they, when they signed Lindbaum, I said, oh, well, that's a really great idea because, you know, here's a guy who's a veteran, you know, he's not necessarily going to be your, you know, you know, top four, but, but he's a veteran. He's, he won a gold medal. So he's, um, you know, he's played in kind of those high stakes situations. Um, And just, and just, he was, uh, you know, how to say that physical, you know, a physical kind of guy. So I thought, well, brilliant. You sign a guy that's a free agent as opposed to trading for someone and giving up these assets. I didn't think they would move forward on the defense after that. And then they move forward on the defense after that. Yeah. So well, cause I, they, they weren't looking to fill a bottom six hole. They wanted, they wanted another top pairing, especially after Ekblad got hurt. Yeah. Uh, but, but you yeah. know what? Like they knew they were getting Robert him back too. too. So I, I don't was know. Good too. Was, yeah. The games he played at the regular season, I thought he was, he was fine but they didn't want fine. They wanted, you know, they wanted exciting. And you saw, you know, Sherratt played like a, you know, a top pairing defenseman. He was good on rushes, getting the puck to the net physical. Like, you know, you saw what, what he brought to the table. Um, But, but first round pick was it. Yeah. 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 That, that was maybe, maybe a bit much, maybe a bit much. Um, Maybe, maybe that's like, maybe that was like the move too far in the sense that no. you gave up an asset in the moment it made in sense, the right? in the moment maybe hindsight yeah, but... we can play the hindsight game all we want but you know i think that especially where they were and god they made they traded for Sherat like what a day or two before the ekblad injury because they no, when I they thought... traded yeah when they yeah when they traded for Sherat, the they were in vegas or maybe it was right before they went over in vegas maybe they were still in la it was on that road trip, but Anaheim was the last stop, and that's where Ekblad got hurt in Anaheim. So they yes. traded for Sherratt before Ekblad got hurt. Yeah, that's right, because he was in Montreal. He was he stuck around in Montreal, right? Yeah, and then they they came back, like they went out west. They came home for a couple of days, but they they didn't play a game. Then they went and finished. The, it was like a long road trip. It was just west coast. Then they came yeah. home for a couple of days, and then they went up to Canada, and that's where they met up with Sherratt in Canada. Um, but yeah, I mean hindsight and all that um we'll see uh, you know you wondered with both Sherratt and Giroux just based on what they had to give up to get them when you think back to you know last year the mm-hmm. year before whatever when they got the Sams uh yeah. for what they gave up for the Sams and for Montour they signed them all they kept them all so yeah, yeah. you know it, it doesn't hurt as much to give up the asset when you actually retain the guy as more than more than just a rental is that going to happen with Giroux or Sherratt? Maybe one. 
probably, I mean, it, it may be one, so you would think definitely not both, but I mean, you know, you would think that this are, these are the kind of things that Bill Zito ha has in mind when he's making these moves, just based on his track record here in South Florida. So, I, you know, we're going to have to see how it plays out. Um, yeah, I, th I think that's the, the key there. If you can if you can keep at least one of those guys, then it maybe is not such a terrible situation. Right. But if you don't, that's going to be really painful. Just really painful. I mean, <laughs> it's a lot of assets. It's a lot well, yeah, when success. you come up empty in the playoffs, it's, yeah. I mean, you know, we're talking about the year Tampa got swept out of the first round that, that, that was Carolina or Carolina, excuse me, Columbus went all in that first round. You remember that that's the year that they like, they traded for, I think, Matt Duchesne. Yeah. They didn't trade yeah. Bob and Panarin uh, as both were UFA and both pretty obviously were not coming back. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, you uh, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take, right? Michael Scott. Michael Scott. Congrats <laughs> to Michael Scott. Um, speaking of Michael Scott, the Michael Scott of the Florida Panthers this year, um, Andrew Burnett, interim head coach thrown into a ridiculously difficult situation, a team suddenly with ridiculous expectations. You know, they were seven and zero. Mm -hmm. They were the talk of the league. Um, and suddenly the hall of fame head coach is out and Bruno's just kind of like, all right, here are the keys to the Lamborghini. Don't crash. And, and you know what? Point, he didn't, he yeah. didn't, he didn't, he did. He, he did a really good job. Actually, It, it was more like he kind of got it stuck in the mud at the end. And what I but liked it though was how he, it wasn't that he just kind of took the blame, like your generic blame taking, like he gave us a little glimpse into like how he was mm -hmm. beating himself. He's like, look, you know, I, I probably needed to be a little bit more selfish. I probably needed to put my foot down a little bit more, which look, anybody who's put in a situation like that, like into a managerial or a superiority situation, uh, it's going to be a tough adjustment for anybody, oh. regardless of what it is. Yeah. So I don't, yeah, I mean, you want to blame him a little bit because he's in a job where like he is, then fine. You know, it's a scrutinized job. Um, I don't know. I just, he's at least going to get a look. It's just a matter of, and here's the one thing that kind of it boils down to for me in terms of what the decision that Bill Zito and Matt Caldwell are going to have to make together. Um, Caldwell has been through it before many mm -hmm. times. Um, Zito hasn't had a chance to pick his head coach yet. Yeah. How much is he going to want to put his stamp on this decision? Um, or, and maybe Bruno is his guy. I don't know. I, he, he probably would tell you, I don't know at this point, because he has oh, to, I, to do I, that evaluating yeah. in and terms you know of what? not just Bruno, but the options available as well. And you know what? I would think if they didn't do their due diligence on the guys out, out there and available, it would be a mistake. And, and here's why I say that for two reasons. Um, the first is that you just, you, you have to see what's out there. You have to talk to some of these these coaches who are available, you know, what, what interest are you drawing? And they're probably going to tell you something about your team that maybe you didn't see in, a, in, in the interviews. Right. So listen to what they have to say. If, if you're going to sit down with Barry Trotz, let him pick apart your defense. Let him tell you what, what needs to be fixed. Right. Um, do, do the due diligence. There's, there's not a rush on this. Um, but I really think oh. that, but uh, uh, let me get to my, butt. <laughs> but, but brunette has, I think earned this job. I think they have to do the due diligence, but I think he's, I think brunette has earned it. 
I think the other thing is that, um, you know, I, I like to think about kind of the, let's say the, the, the mental part of the game, right? And he has just been through something with these, these guys. You know, everything that, you know, you mentioned before, you know, losing your would have been a Hall of Fame coach prior to this scandal, um, you know, multi-cup winner, uh, very, very well regarded in terms of coaching ability, style, that sort of thing. He had, he had to fall, follow um, or step into those shoes. That's, that's difficult enough. Um, unexpectedly, add more difficult, uh, difficulty to it. And then on top of it, just the fact that it was kind of, you know, a scandal. He, he did not crash the Lamborghini, kind of ran it into the mud, but he learned from this experience as well. And he went through that with them. They're all saying, hey, maybe we could have done this better. He's saying maybe we could have done this better. It would, it would concern me more if he, he got up there and said, well, gee, you know, we won like almost 60 games. I have no idea what we can do better. Like he knows exactly what they need to do to improve. So I don't know why you would try to change something completely. Uh, you know, why would you go from like a, a Q brunette style to a very defensive Barry Trot style? I don't know that you want to do that. I don't know that you want to be picking apart your, your team that we just established is kind of set with its core with, with the contracts. They've lost assets. They don't really, you have to move forward with this group. You don't have a choice at this point. These are the, these are the soldiers you are going to war with. So let them have the general that they had, you know, and they're either going to all do it together or, you know, then you got bigger problems. Yeah. Well, I that, think he definitely deserved an opportunity to drop the eye. That's going to be his advantage, right? Is that when they're looking at, you know, potential other head coaches, because, you know, as he just said, like that, they know that the soldiers that they're taking into this battle, they know, you know, for the most part, what this roster is going to look like and how it's made up. And they got a pretty damn good idea of what that roster can do under Andrew Burnett's watch this year. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, 51 of their 58 wins came at Bruno's hands. Their first, yeah. their first playoff victory, playoff round victory. Uh, 26 years, was it? 26 years. And he was, I believe the 15th coach since. Yeah. So, so he did something right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the and fact I, that they didn't completely collapse after, you know, after, after Quenville's resignation, I yeah. mean, that, that could have completely, they could have gone completely off the rails, completely off the rails. Yeah. And they just got better and better and better. So he did something right. All right. Uh, last, last thing before we wrap it up. Um, actually, I, I want to touch on one thing and then I had a question. So a good question. Don't worry. Um, but the one thing that I wanted to make sure to touch on, this is, is this is kind of our season wrap up podcast or whatever. Um, I feel like something that I've paid a lot of attention to over the course of this podcast, which started at the beginning of the 2019-20 season, which right around the same time, some other things happened with this team uh, in this department. I pay a lot of attention to the goaltending, Aaron. Uh, hmm. I don't know why exactly. I uh, can't even imagine. Something just draws my attention to goaltending. But um, 
So Sergey Bobrovsky this season, could the expectations have been lower? And yet, wow. It, it got I, better as the year went on, right? Yes. And then in the playoffs, he was probably their probably he was their most consistent player, probably their best player over the yeah. course of the entire playoff. Um, so I just want to give some credit to where credit is due. And you know, the contract, darn the contract, because it's irrelevant at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say, and you were, I think, sitting next to me when I asked him this at the uh at the exit pressers or whatever. Um, the the dad element definitely plays a part. And we saw oh, yeah. it briefly during the season with Ryan Lombard when he became a dad and they gave him a few games and he had a pretty awesome week. But with Bob, um, hopefully it's sustainable, but kudos to him because that was a hell of a year um, under some pretty crazy circumstances. And and you know what? I feel, I feel bad for Bob in the sense that he had a fantastic season and we haven't really talked much about him. I mean, how, how can you, when they're scoring, you know, seven goals a game, you know, they're, they're when the offense is, is scoring at the clip, they were, you're not going to be paying attention to the goaltending, but he, he almost had 40 wins. That's kind of, it, isn't that for goalies like the. It's one of the big like, markers. It's one of the big markers. And he came within a win of that. And that's, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> that's, that's, that's fantastic. Um, you know, I think some people, and, and I'll, I'll look at this a lot as, you know, shutouts and whatnot, not too many, you know, not, not compared to what he's done in the past, but he just, he just was very solid. Like, you know, even in the playoffs, gosh, how many tipped shots did he have to face that, you know, he, he didn't get a hold of, but that's not his fault. So no, that's the thing. Like, Watching Bob as closely as, uh, you know, I have, I know we've talked a lot about him uh, during his time here, but like his, he just played better this year. Like we, the frustrating goals, the things that really, you know, nagged the hell out of us with Bob, he cleaned it up this year. And, you know, he started the year excellent. He had a little bit of a lull as much as the team kind of did, you know, between December, you know, the, the end of the year, the beginning of the year. And then at the end of the season, again, he snapped it right back. I, you remember, um, I guess the, maybe the last month or two of the year, saved those two rough games that he had, the Devils and the Maple Leafs, the both mm-hmm. comeback wins, mm-hmm. those back-to-back comeback wins that they had. But other than those two bad games, really the only bad games that Bob had over the last three or four months, um, the cheap goals were gone. Mm-hmm. Frustrating goals were gone. The team did their part too, though. I will say that that because the rebounds are always going to be an issue with, with Bob, but I think late in the season, particularly, and they did a good job in the playoffs, cleaning up the danger areas of rebounds and getting them the hell out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, but just everything that frustrated me about Sergey Bobrovsky uh, really was at an all-time minimum when it mattered the most this year. And and just for me, as a, as a guy who really pays a lot of attention to the goaltending. Uh, to have that feeling and that confidence in the goaltender, uh, it was it was really nice. And I guess that's just you know I don't really have a big point to make here. I feel like I'm making it sound a bit grandiose. It's just it was just a really nice feeling because we hadn't we hadn't had it. And we you know, yeah. when Bob got signed, it was like oh you, we finally got the goalie. You know we had Luongo, he just retired. We finally have our goalie of you know of the now. And yeah, and he was a letdown. So to have that confidence this year and to be able to really get behind the goaltending 
as a fan of goaltending, you know, I'm just, just happy. No, I think, I, I think it's great. I think that their goaltending situation, you know, let's, let's face it coming into this year, you know, was kind of the chowder like, well, you know, if Bob kind of is still sucking, they're going to have to dump him or buy him out or something. You know what I mean? Like he was not earning any kudos for those first two seasons in Florida and, and understandably so. Um, But I think that now, you know, maybe, yeah. Will he play out his full contract here? I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. I I think night is the the timing is, is looking just, just right for night, you know? Um, And I think this year, uh, you know, talk, talk about, you know, the, when we talk about the problems the Panthers have with, you know, limited assets, no draft pick, no, no top picks in three years. Um, you know, who do you trade cap hits, all sorts of stuff. Goaltending is not an issue, even with Bob making the 10 million, not an issue. I think that Bob season this year has bought one more year, at least, at least of helping Spencer Knight develop. I think that's such a huge thing long term. I, I think if Bob were having kind of the an if if or if he had an iffy year or an iffy playoff, were we going to go back to saying, oh well, you know, maybe he's going to platoon Spencer Knight? I I don't think I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, if if we're totally wrong, no big deal because well, you do have Spencer Knight. But I think the the idea that they could still. Um, you know, just maybe not push Knight into so much action so early is probably a good thing. Um, yeah. If they need to send him to the minors to get some, you know, get out of his head or something, they still can do that. So uh, if Bob were not, ha- if Bob did not have the season that he had, I think that there would be a lot more concern. But I, I think he's, you know, again, next year, I think, of all the problems they're going to have to deal with, he isn't, I don't think, going to be one, and I don't think Knight will either. I think that's... Yeah, we'll see. They'll play plus. it out in training camp, just like they did this year. But I would think Bob gets the benefit of the doubt, you know, just based oh, on... Oh, yeah, number one. He's... Yeah, I think I think going in, I, I probably would have... I, I forget. I, I don't even remember what I wrote in the preview, but I, I kind of thought, like, okay, it's kind of like a 1A, 1B, but Knight's going to have to earn his... Yeah, his starts, but Bob, without question, Bob is number one. Knight is number two, no question. No question. Yeah, I don't know where my expectations will be. I mean, I'm trying to like fortune tell in my head here for a moment and just kind of predict the future of where I feel how I'm going to be feeling in a few months. And I have a feeling that that, that apprehension and I'm not going to be like riding the Bob confident wave as as probably as much as I am at this moment. Um, not to say that if he doesn't go out next year and continue on this path that he's been on, that I'm not going to be you know you know, right, right up there, gung-ho, get that confidence right back again. I'm just saying in terms of confidence heading into next season, I'm going to have to see it uh, a little bit early on before I believe in it, that it's here to stay, but mm. I still feel a hell of a lot better than it would the beginning of last year based on that awful playoff round and just the first two years, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's, that, that's why I said, I think he, I feel bad for him because for all the offense that they showed this year, uh, he was pretty pretty solid and um you know better better than those first two years and and he just he didn't get the credit he probably deserves poor guy but but he's not checking social media anymore so he probably doesn't yeah no he's good (laughs) um all right so the last thing and this 
you know, maybe kind of a softball question for you, or maybe a brain pretzel. We're going to find out. Uh -oh. Um, yeah, just, you know, we were talking about this season as a whole. It was pretty remarkable. You and I, you know, we covered, covered the entire season together. Um, favorite memories or memory. What, you know, what pops out of your head as I, as I put you on the spot. <laughs> um, and post-game bar stuff does not count. No, no, no. Um, we don't talk about post-game bar stuff. Um, no. no, no, honestly, the first thing that popped into my head uh, was the seven, six Leafs, uh, the, the game versus Toronto where, where Florida was down at like five, one. Yeah. The, come, the, the, the last big comeback, the, the last big comeback. And what was it like three days after two, three days after the New Jersey one? Um, uh, yeah, it was, where is it? No, it was the New Jersey one was April 2nd. Then the next night they won at Buffalo Okay. And then it was the first home game after the New Jersey, the New Jersey game. Okay. So it was, I'm sorry. So it was two comebacks in three, three games, basically. Yeah. No, but, I, you know what? I thought they were back to back also. So we're, we, we we both got bamboozled on that one. Um, but what I loved about that was, and this is going to sound terrible. I will name no names, but I just happened to be sitting next to the kind of long row of Toronto media that came in. And when they took a five, one lead, there were a lot of people, I don't want to say counting out the cats, but being, writing, writing their post-game columns. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they were right. They were writing, oh, yeah. they were having their there were 600 words in they're good to go. Oh yeah. They were, they were all good. And then <laughs> as it started coming, as Florida started coming back, I believe at the end of the second, it was five, four. I believe that was also the game where Uberto hit the hundred point mark. And they just, you know what? I don't even know if I have the, uh, my, do I have? No, I don't. I have so much crap all over my desk about maybe I have the score sheet that I wrote, but no. Um, anyway, so they, um, oh wait, no, I do. Ah, here we go. Yes, we have, we have the score sheet. Yes. So yeah, they, um, that was just, that was just a riot to, uh, to kind of see as Florida, you know, they made a five, four and you know, the, guys next to me are Sorry getting a little that. bit more quiet and then all of a sudden it just you know florida managed to uh uh to end up tying it and in the in the third period and, and my first thought was when i was looking because I, I i know you can't all the read or listeners can't no well, see yeah it, i mean you just heard the problem with me looking up the the the, the box stores you get the uh, the ads playing in the background so that's that's my bad oh no i didn't <laughs> i didn't even hear that but but no, I just, um, you know, it was just kind of a, a riot because I did notice that on the, on the one that made a five, four, that was, you know, Uberdo is his 99th point. And when it's five, four with a period to play with this team, you know, my thought was, well, they're going to do it. <laughs> There's, there was no, there was no question. They were going to come back and they were going to at least tie that game. Yep. And I kind of said to myself, yeah, and I bet Uberdo is going to be the one to do it because that'll be his hundredth point. And sure enough, hundred points. Uh, for him so that was that was just um that that one will always kind of stick out because man that was just that was a horrible start for them just but then as soon as they turned on a dime um man that just that team they were just explosive this year just absolutely explosive and I think that that game captured it because Toronto was a good team you know yeah, so yeah. that was that was definitely um if you if you said give me a game that just 
tells you everything about the Panther season, like how big of a deal it was. I, I would, I would say that one, that, that seven, six win over Toronto. Yeah, that was, that was a fun night. Oh, yeah. Hopefully, you know, maybe not as uh, maybe more fun in the future, maybe not quite as a crazy road to get there. Um, but I want to thank you for uh, taking some time. I, I don't know how long we've been doing this, but it feels like, uh, feels like it was a good long conversation. I want to thank you for joining the pod and uh, taking some time. I feel like we do this all the time, but this is the first time we've ever actually like put any actual physical evidence to the conversation. So, you know, this is true. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but thank you to Aaron. You can find all of her awesome coverage on uh, the hockey news uh, online. You can subscribe. They still, they still do a paper, right? They still give you a yeah, we paper. Still, we do print and we do digital. Amazing. If you don't want to kill trees, you can just have a digital subscription as well. Uh, well, when you put it like that, it sounds kind of bad, but I'm, I feel weird. I like having like a physical magazine in my hands sometimes, you know? Well, you can, not at the cost of earth. Well, you can do that. Just recycle then. Oh, we're all good deal. Um, uh, so thank you to Aaron. Thank you to everybody listening. Um, you know, you can find all my work on local10.com or the local 10 app. If you don't follow me on Twitter already, please do at David Dwork for my daily coverage of the Panthers, or you can follow Aaron on Twitter at rinkside for her coverage of the Panthers. She also does a lot of great work covering the PHF, uh, teaches me a lot. Uh, it keeps me up to date. So, uh, Aaron, hey, can, is we just... give, can we give a little shout out? Seriously, if you have not checked out the PHF or women's hockey just yet, do it's it's a blast. It's um, you know it's it's good hockey. There's some real character um, players. A, a character in terms of like they're just fun. They're just fun players. Um, yeah. Just uh, d- definitely give them a, a check out next uh, October when the their eighth season begins. Well, what's when, isn't there a big uh, tournament going on uh, in the not too distant future that you're going to be covering? Oh, that's oh, that's 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 international. Yeah, but not it's PHF. still. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's the um um yeah. So if I apologize up front to all the Panthers followers who will suddenly get bombarded by the end of this week with um with news about women's under 18 hockey. Um, the women's under 18 tournament takes place um, next this, yeah, next week, next week up in uh, Wisconsin. This was, uh, it was canceled initially by COVID and then uh, the University of Wisconsin USA Hockey stepped up um, after Sweden said, hey, we can't really do this because of COVID. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the USA Hockey in Wisconsin stepped up and said, hey, we'll host it here. So, um, so yeah, so the, uh, I believe eight teams, uh, internationally will be playing there. Um, I haven't done all my homework just yet, but we will. So, but, but again, my apologies if you get bombarded with under 18 women's hockey and not Panther stuff, uh, for a week. So, and that's, you know what, that's my bad for saying that it was just PHF coverage that you're so amazing on. Cause it's really like, you've been covering women's hockey, uh, like a champion for like the last, it feels like a couple of seasons now. Um, no, this the, is this is it. This the is coverage the first... expanding. No, this is your. I know this is the first tournament, yeah. but I mean, you did PHF stuff. A lot of the PHF stuff last year. You went to that tournament up in Tampa. Oh no, uh, no, that the, was all the, this the year. This, this was all. It was all. Man, you. I know the season just ended. Maybe, but yeah, I... maybe I'm. Maybe it's just a time warp in my head. It feels like you've been doing this for a while. It's, it's just been this season, huh? It's just been this season. Man. Yeah, it was just seriously like the opportunity when the PHF said, "Hey, we're going to be in Tampa." I reached out to the Hockey News and said, "Do you need someone to go up there?" And they were like, "Sure." So, um, yeah, it was a great opportunity. Well, if you can believe this, I think 
I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that that was the first time I've gotten to see women's hockey live in person. Wow. I mean, I fought, I followed it. I followed it for years, but I just never had the opportunity to, to see either international or professional level women's hockey until, um, you know, this season, but it's, it's awesome. It's great. Um, I'm, I'm excited. I'm hoping there's more opportunity to, to write more about it. Well, it's growing. It's been growing. A lot. I mean, uh, obviously in the States, it's helped with the, with the PHF and what they've done in the last year. And, you know, uh, what was it before the PHF? It was the um, NWHL. Yeah. I, I always confuse it with PW, uh, the P. Yes. Yeah. They have the, uh, the P, P, the PWHA. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know what? Someone's, someone's got to tell them that's not going to quite work. If you saw how I have a really many hard time P-W's keeping track of my acronyms, H's I have no, to deal with. No, no, but. <sighs> But it's it's great. Like, uh, you know, there's uh, that's that's one thing I think that is awesome about about the sport of ice hockey is that you can have like, you know, co-ed opportunities. You can do this. It's uh, yeah, there's no body checking in women's hockey, although the Swedes are now introducing that. (laughs) That'll be interesting. Um, But like if you're playing the game from like a strategic standpoint, that sort of thing, you you can do that. So and and the women play a really awesome game. Um, They they get into it just as much in terms of like the physical play, even though they're technically not supposed to body check. But there are scrums after the whistle. There's uh, people getting thrown to the ice. It's it's well, they're competitive just like the guys. It's not like a a penis exclusive thing that you got to (laughs) get. you can't get crazy and you know want to win so bad when you're on the ice so you know no no it's it, but but that's the thing it just it's, well, yeah, it's uniforms starting. and everything it's really great yeah it's 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 i mean espn you know picked them up um you know showed their entire season i don't i haven't seen anything whether they're gonna i would assume they're gonna be back but um you know their the ratings were so good on the streaming service that's why they put the isabel cup final on espn too so it yeah, was our boy steve yeah. goldstein was on the call yeah so it's it's growing and you know it's it's going to take time it's not going to be the nhl tomorrow i you know i understand that but um but it's growing they're they're putting really uh experienced people uh from the international level in place to run the league to oversee certain aspects of the league um it's growing it's growing it's evolving um it's positive. It's, uh, it's something that I, I highly recommend everyone give a, give a try. I, I second that it's, it's fun, man. I mean, look, if you're a fan of hockey, like, how can you not? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, it's intense. There's great skill. There's great goaltending as we saw at the Isabel cup this year, particularly, but I mean, you know, it's hockey, man. Hockey's awesome. I, I think we should just end on that. <laughs> Let's just, just end it on that. I can't thing. top that. Hockey is awesome. Hockey is awesome. All right. Well, on that note, we'll wrap it up. Thank you for listening to episode 55 of the Chirping the Cats podcast. Thank you to Aaron Brown of the Hockey News for joining me. For my guest, Aaron, I'm Dave Twerk of Local 10. As always, please just take care of yourselves. Stay safe, be kind, and as always, stay cool. See you next time. <laughs>